Hello, people of the world. Welcome back to Please Stop, the podcast where Chaz has six beverages every week. I have my coffee treat. I have my water. I also am just now realizing I don't have a voice. Please stop. You sound totally normal to me. Oh my god, you started this way to lead into your weekend story. No, I didn't. I had this plan. You fully were like, I'm going to be like, oh my god, I don't have a voice because I had so much fun this weekend. No, wait till you, I haven't even told you what I did. I haven't spoken to anyone yesterday at all. I have not used my voice since Saturday. So I'm just now, you're the first person I'm audibly speaking to. You sound normal to me, but maybe you sound different in person. It feels very raspy for me, but um, no, I spent my weekend, part of it, with these like young frat boys doing like Stevie Nicks karaoke until like 2 a.m. Where were you doing karaoke? At one of their apartments. We all were, I was at a bar with my girlfriends and then this group of guys, we all like congealed and then we're like, let's go drink Bud Light and play music for hours and sing along. And that's what we did. And that, that's why I don't have a voice. Which song did you sing? Do you remember? A lot of Landslide, a lot of Lil Peep, Ghost Mane, which is someone Megan introduced me to. He's like a modern day Marilyn Manson. Diverse group of artists. Okay. I also had a fun weekend. I don't understand what's going on in the world. I guess I do understand what's going on in the world. Everything is like opened back up in Texas. People can leave their houses now And people just forgot how to keep their shit together. Like, I saw another person puke in public this weekend. (laughs) It's inevitable. It was horrifying. It was so gross. We're going to have to get accustomed to a lot of public puking now that people are vaccinated and things are reopening. It's just, it's coming with the territory. So the way that it happened is, like, the crazy part. We, like, I went out with one of my friends on Friday night. We went to, like, this cute little bar district everything's outdoors in Austin and it was beautiful out so we went to like a couple of outdoor bars we're sitting in the backyard at one of them at a table and these two like guys come over they were like very recently former frat guys like they had just graduated college they come over they were like hey what's up can we sit down with you we're like fine I was kind of like taking my friend out because she like wants to meet guys she's single and I was like great I'm a great wing woman I got this you are the best wing woman I'm such a good wing woman (laughs) so I was like yeah sure sit down so they sit down we start talking they were like let's do shots I was like okay go get them so they bring us back shots we're talking some more and out of the corner of my eye the guy sitting next to my friend is right across from me I'm like talking to his friend who's on the other side of me and out of the corner of my eye I see this man turn his head stuff is like shooting out of his mouth and I'm I don't look over because I was like ew but like in my mind I kind of blocked out that like this could be projectile vomit I was just like oh he's probably spitting or something and like that's gross but I was like I don't want to look at it and like I'm just gonna keep it moving so I just I did not address it whatsoever I was like this train is is going so I was like let's keep the conversation going I will not address it I'm just I, I can't even entertain this and then like 20 minutes go by and he brings it up himself and he was like I just puked like 20 minutes ago. Did you see that? And I was like, yeah, I did. It was disgusting. Like, I was like, I was not going to talk about this, but like, what the fuck? Here we are. 
He literally turned his head away from her, sitting right next to her on the bench, turned his head in the opposite direction, projectile vomits this way. And then he kept talking, like just turned his head back and continued the conversation. That's called resilience. And I also, I appreciate his honesty. I think it's, I'm that way where anytime I do something that I find embarrassing or shameful, I have to bring it to everyone's attention. It was so gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. It was so gross and it was so casual. He's just in the middle of talking, goes blah, and keeps talking, just doesn't even get up or go to the bathroom. Not even, I, 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 he could have like rinsed his mouth at least. Ew, it was so nasty. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? What I noticed were, and myself included, I dropped a glass on accident. I broke a glass. I watched another girl break a glass. I watched a girl fall. She was just sitting at a high top table and completely timbered. And I was also, I met a lot of new people this weekend and one of them was which a much older man who kept crying. He kept crying while talking to me, which was a beautiful moment. But I just think people are, they just need a release. It was, they need a release. They need to release their vomit, apparently. Their emotions, their vomit. I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow. Oh my gosh, you made your appointment. That's great. Yes, my first round. And then New York's opening up. I think first week of April or second week, 16-year-old and up are eligible. I'm eligible because I'm starting an internship. So exciting. Did you find your internship? It's not official. All right. I hope it works out. Thank you. I I better. (laughs) Let's do our please stop for this week. Please stop calling yourself girl bosses. Here's my take on this. No one says boy boss because it's demeaning. It's childish. It sounds so fucking stupid. Boy boss. That's not a thing. You're just a man. You're a man who's good at your job. So why do we have to specify girl boss? It sounds like hilarious. It sounds like the equivalent of like a dog wearing clothes. Like it's just stupid, silly. It sounds childish. Childish, unprofessional. It pisses me off. I think we're all in the same boat. We used to glorify girl boss and now everyone's making fun of it, thankfully. But it's like that that shouldn't be a thing. Well, that girl from Nasty Gal kind of coined the term. She wrote the book called Girl Boss. Right. This was like a long time ago. And it was like, oh, everybody wanted to be a girl boss. And then like you actually sit and think about it and you're kind of like, well, this is stupid. No, it's women. It's it's adult women in the workforce. Now I feel like it's very synonymous with MLMs. It is. It's like It's like people playing the role of having a job instead of actually having a career they're passionate about it's it's like faking I I don't know it just seems very inauthentic and cringy yeah it's very cringe to call yourself a girl boss don't ever call yourself a girl boss don't do it don't do it on social media ever don't unless it's ironic which in that case it's fucking hilarious yeah that's fun and that's fine I want nothing more than girl boss tattooed on my lower back in comic sans I can think of so many things I want more than that for you I can't (laughs) Okay, there is like a more serious please stop. So Katie and I subscribe to Skim, S-K-I-M-M. The Skim. If you've never heard of it before, it's a newsletter written by women um, that comes to your inbox every morning. It's awesome. It gives you like the important news headlines for the day. It's how I keep up with the news because it's just like quick little like two minute tidbits to read of the top news stories of the day. If you are busy and you don't have time to sit in front of you know, CNN or CNBC every day to know what's going on in the world. This is a really quick and easy way to keep up with what's happening and be informed and stay intelligent. Well, 
on the topic of women in general, the Minnesota Supreme Court overturned a rape conviction all because the quote unquote victim or the survivor, as I would rather refer to her, willingly was drinking alcohol before she was raped. She basically was drinking, she was blackout, and there wasn't evidence of whether or not she was date raped or not, like drugged, but she did gain coherence in the middle of this man having sex with her, which is disgusting. And whether or not anyone intentionally got her drunk or she wanted to get drunk. I've been in this situation so many times. And yes, I've put myself in very dangerous situations and I'm luckier than most girls and I've learned from it. But at the end of the day, you should be able to drink as many drinks as you fucking want while wearing whatever you fucking want, while being with as little or as many girlfriends as you want without needing a babysitter and still get home safely or go to bed safely and not have a man prey on you. The first time I ever drank alcohol, someone who I was very close with in my high school who lived very close to me offered to drive me home. And this again, this is the very first time I ever had a sip of alcohol. But he pulled over in a nearby neighborhood and took my phone because he said he didn't want me getting in trouble with my mom and I was too drunk to bring home. And I was like, trust me, it's fine. And my mom wouldn't stop calling my phone, panicking. He refused to let me answer it. He said he was doing me a favor. And he then started telling me how insecure he is, the fact that he's we're seniors in high school and he's still a virgin. So why would you segue into that conversation? And then other things escalated. Nothing, at the end of the day, nothing did happen. I was able to get my phone back and my parents freaked the fuck out on his parents and the situation was handled and didn't escalate. But I was 17 when that happened. And then since then, I'm now 29. I've been in situations like that more than I'd like to admit. Yeah, this is something that happens to nearly every woman. I know so many people and like same, I have I have stories like this too, where like no matter what, if you are blackout drunk, like you're not capable of giving consent. And men should know that. Men should not prey on someone who is so incoherent that they can't, like they don't know what they're agreeing to in the moment. Like if a sloppy drunk girl comes up to you and that's not your girlfriend and you don't have an already established sexual relationship with this person, do not have sex with them that night. At the end of the day, we can preach it and say it till we're literally blue in the face, but men are always going to take advantage and it's pathetic. And it's always like the incels who can't get pussy without preying on girls for it. And you're pathetic And I don't think this pod is ever going to even put a dent in that. But I'm just saying, if you're a man who's listening, which almost half of our listeners are, and you do that, you're a fucking incel piece of shit. No, it's disgusting. But basically, so it says, according to the Minnesota's legal definition, a person is considered to be mentally incapacitated and can't consent to sex if they're given a substance unknowingly, like spiking their drink. But in this particular case, she had been knowingly drinking before her rape. So the Supremes, they they basically said we have to, you know, consent to the legalities, like the law states that she's not eligible. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And it also says it's not the only state with laws that don't protect survivors of sexual assault. 
Um, 40 other states don't consider being willingly drunk as a barrier to consent. So at this point, it's almost like, where do you even go from there? Like, I, you know how paranoid I am about getting too drunk at this point in my life. And I'm so good at limiting myself. And that's because I don't like losing control. And I hate not remembering portions of the night. But it's also because I don't want to get taken advantage of by anyone. Totally. I mean, I think we all at this point in our lives, like when you grow up, you do realize what your limits are because of situations like this. Like you realize sometimes that like situations get taken too far or you get taken advantage of. Like I remember a time my friend and I, it was when I lived in New York City before I even met you. My friend and I were out one night going to the bars downtown drinking and these like guys that she said she like knew through a friend met up with us. We all ended up going back uptown to my apartment. Um, This is when I lived on the Upper West Side when I like first moved to New York. She and the other guy leave and she just like leaves me with this stranger that I don't know. And I'm like really young at this point. I think I had just turned 21 and hadn't really been in a situation like that before where I'm like alone in my own apartment with a stranger that I've just kind of been left with. And he's not really taking the hint that I like don't want to hook up with him. Don't really want to hang out. Like I just want to go to bed. And he ends up laying in my bed with me, like lays in my bed with me. I am like drunk at this point and like trying to hook up with me all night, trying to touch me, trying to hook up with me all night long. And like, I am giving him every single signal that like, I just want to roll over and go to bed. Like I'm facing away from him. I'm squirming away from him. Like, I don't want to touch him. I'm not trying to kiss him. I like, I literally do not want to hang out. And it is like, painfully obvious to me and people say well be direct people say just be direct but it's really easier said than done when the person now knows where you live and it's something you learn too like as a 21 year old girl like yes you are legally an adult yes you're legally allowed to drink and do all of these things but if you've never been in that kind of situation before you're still so young and especially knowing that it's like a guy that my friend kind of knows I like didn't want to be rude to him. I didn't want to be mean. Yeah. Like it's so, I had never had to throw someone out of my apartment before. I barely had lived on my own at that point. It's intimidating to think of the social repercussions, the, um, you don't want to come off as being overly dramatic or a bitch or like girls are not trained to stand up for themselves. They're trained to be agreeable and complacent and pleasant And I only found my voice in my mid-20s. You helped me find it. Yeah, I mean, that's a situation I would never be in now, as we both know. Like, because you grow and you learn. Literally this weekend, I went to the stranger's house and sang karaoke. But I... I know how to stay in control. And I know know my boundaries. And I'm so good at publicly humiliating a man or privately or and being like, get the fuck off me. Because we've had practice and we realize the repercussions socially or if we piss them off are much better than if we are overly agreeable and let them take advantage. Even if it's just something as simple as making out if you don't want to. Don't fucking touch me unless – and I'm a really submissive person. So for me, there's a fine line of like a guy initiating anything sexually with me and keeping his dominance when I don't know him that well and then me – being okay with that. It's not the sexiest thing for God to be like, okay, am I allowed to kiss you now? But there are social cues that you can read between the lines 
But at the end of the day, if I'm not into it, you will know because I've gotten used to being able to just clearly communicate. I would say even the fact that it takes that level of like aggressive communication to say, don't fucking touch me or I don't want to be touched by you. The fact that it even takes that much for some men to catch on is insane. That is completely ridiculous. Like men, especially younger men, if you were listening to this ever, if a girl is physically not going out of her way to have contact with you, like physical contact with you, whether she's like reaching over to touch your arm or touch your leg or like, you know, put her arm around you or like, if she is not initiating that shit, do not ever touch her. Well, that's what I mean. There's certain cues. It's like, you don't have to to pull out like a non-disclosure or like a clause no, like contract. Just read social cues. But it's like, yeah, at the point where if my body language is telling you I'm not that comfortable even kissing you or like having you touch me at all, take it for what it's worth and don't push the scenario. And in that case, if it's really, if you need to ask, basically what I'm saying is if you need to ask me, is it okay to kiss you? It's probably not from someone like me. I will let you know Mm -hmm. to give you the go and it will be very obvious. And if you're still not sure, I mean, in that case, it's kind of romantic to be like, I really want to kiss you right now. Can I kiss you? Like something like that. Like, I think that's really sweet and romantic. And then once you get the go, yeah, grab me, make out with me, do all the things. But that should not be the first physical contact you have with someone is just like being like, can I kiss you? Like, no, like. Right. If there's nothing else leading up to that, take a fucking hint. Yeah. Just leave people alone. I don't know. That entitlement that some people have to other people's bodies is shocking. It's entitlement mixed with like not wanting your ego bruised and not being able to fathom that you're really not as hot as you think you might be or wish you were. And that girls aren't as desperate as you also wish they might be. It's frustrating. Hopefully they change that law. No, that poor girl. That's awful. Right. But at least it's made news where we can bring attention to it. Speaking of men being violent towards women. (laughs) I mean, I again, I this court case, this was like in the 90s, I think. But when I was living in England, my ex's mom was dating this guy. And they were really serious when I first lived there. And as the months went on, she expressed to me how she really wanted to break things off with him because he was changing. Like they were engaged. And she was having a, so many doubts. And he got more and more agitated all the time and more and more weird. Like I, he would like listen to me and my ex when we were in the bedroom and like it, it make it known that he was always listening to us. And I was like, is he only doing this because he doesn't want us to make him uncomfortable if we're like, you know, being intimate because we're a couple and it is so quiet in that area of England. You can hear a pen drop at, no matter where you're at. But I was like, why is he listening this hard? Ooh, like, What an aggressive thing to make known. Not saying, like, again, it could have just been him being like, hey, be mindful, like, I can hear you. But also, it was so uncomfortable and inappropriate. He could have definitely gone about it a different way. His profile picture on Facebook was his cat eating a rabbit. (laughs) Just to give you some background. So at this point in my life, I was vegan, or at least trying to be. And we lived next to a butcher. And this man, we'll call him... The butcher or the... The guy you were living with. The butcher. We'll call him the butcher because he worked at the butcher. Okay. So he worked at the butcher. And in order to like try to 
assist, like give back for letting, they let me stay there. So I would help them out around the house. And I like doing dishes. So I was, I was doing his dishes. And then my ex's mom was like, oh, Chaz, make sure you don't ruin the knives. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, his knives, like, don't ruin them. You have to like dry them carefully. And his knives, I'm not shitting you. Literally like a foot long. No, they're butcher knives. They're butcher knives. Ew. Which I, I'd never seen that. I'd never really, I'm not well versed in the world of butchery, butchering. <laughs> so as a vegan, I'm like, ugh, whatever. And then like, I would start my days, I would go on runs and then like there'd be butcher trucks with giant hogs, just court carcasses hanging everywhere. And it was just the smell. It was a lot. And he would come home with blood all over him. Ew. And just remember his profile picture being the cat eating a live rat or a recently killed rabbit. Just weird. Just giving me very like American, like small town boys who were really into hunting vibes. But it was on another level. He had like these giant gauges. I don't know. It was very interesting. So I'm like, okay, I'll be careful with the knives. And she's like, yeah, we we don't want him to slit our throats like he did his ex. (laughs) And I was like, hold up, what? And I laugh. And she's like, no, no, I'm serious. (laughs) I was like, I already was wanting to go home and having doubts because of certain situations. I was just burnt out living in this little small town in England. I had been there like at three, for like three or three and a half months at this point. So I'm like, hold up. Are you joking that he previously slit his ex's throat? He is a butcher. He does have a profile picture of a rabbit being eaten by his cat. He does have very big gauges. (laughs) He's got gauges. That means he's a murderer. I'm joking. We don't judge based off of gauges. But, you know, everything combined, I was just like, this man's been living. I've been living with him under the same roof for a while. Can you please elaborate? And she was like, well, you know, back in the 90s, she was like 15, 10 or 15 years ago, like a while ago, he went to prison for six months for attempted murder because his girlfriend's throat was slit. But he was released six months later because they proved she did it to herself to frame him. And I'm like, look, we've all been dramatic at times. We, <laughs> But to slit your own throat. That takes so, that takes balls. Like, even as a girl, what? How do you prove it six months later in the 80s or 90s? It's like that staircase special on Netflix. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Oh my gosh, it's this insane case. You should, I'll tell you about it later. You should definitely watch it. It's crazy. I love true crime things, but... But it's from the 90s and they, like, found, like, a bunch of evidence way later. Because they keep all the evidence and now that DNA testing and stuff exists, they can go back and re-examine it. But this was only re-examined six months later, and no offense to to this town in England, but I don't think he he was from like very rural. How does the evidence show six months later that she did it to herself? Like that's a long time to have someone convicted of a crime in prison, and then all of a sudden be like, oh, never mind. I don't know. So that raised some red flags. Do you think the butcher definitely slit his ex's throat? I hope not. I would have to trust the authorities on this one and say no. But as a young girl living with this person for six months, 
and cleaning his knives and having him come home five days a week with blood all over him and listening to my every move, I became, you know, a little weary. Yeah, it's not what you want to hear. It's not the best thing to hear. It's not the best thing to hear. Oh, you don't want him to slit our throats like he did his ex. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> no, that's what that's what leave. It wasn't good timing. No, not at all. So there's this podcast I started listening to each morning called Make Your Damn Bed. Other pod plug, listen to their podcast and also rate them five stars and then listen to their pod, not this one. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just nice. It's something like it's it's every day. It's meant for you to listen to while you're making your bed. And recently, I am very good at being single. Katie, you're very good at being single. We don't ever need anyone else. We don't need the validation. I like the validation at times, but I don't know. This girl just reminded me that you don't need to trust another person ever. So basically, I'm a very skeptical person. I don't trust anyone easily at all. And if my last relationship taught me anything, it is to never doubt my intuition ever. So, you know, my guard is consistently up until I'm it takes a lot to bring it down have people brought it down absolutely I have been in amazingly trustworthy relationships with incredible people so I know it's possible but if you go into a relationship constantly on guard you're probably going to end up self-sabotaging and if you just remind yourself like at the end of the day if they do anything to fuck up your trust you trust that you will leave so that's all that matters it's not about trusting that they won't hurt you because at the end of the day we're all young the idea of being with the same person for the rest of your life it's so impractical so it's really hard to enjoy the present moment of a relationship without anticipating the future being fucked up by someone leaving you or being unfaithful or something but if you just consistently remind yourself that if that happens you trust you that you will easily walk away you have a support system you maintain your friends your family your career your hobbies outside of them, then it will be a lot less scary. And you'll probably trust them easier because you won't have as much to mm-hmm. lose. Yeah. Trusting yourself is such a big part of being able to be successful in a relationship. I think like you see people all the time who obviously don't haven't built that trust with themselves and haven't built that confidence in themselves. And those are always the people who have such tumultuous, dramatic difficult relationships they believe that they need that other person they believe that that validation for themselves comes from that other person they feel trapped in something that they're not actually trapped in like if it's that bad you can walk away yeah they put them on a pedestal and then you end up living in the future you live in the past by thinking like oh these this person's past behaviors what could this predict for their future behaviors is this okay Am I going to get hurt? And then you stop living in the present and enjoying the relationship. My thing is every relationship you start, be realistic and expect there to be an end point to it. Unconditional love can take so many forms. It can turn platonic. It can turn maternal, sibling-like. But unconditional love should never be – there should be no such thing as romantic unconditional love. You should always know that you will fall. You can be, you can love someone, not be in love with them. And you should know when you enter a relationship that yes, I'm in love with them now, but if they fuck up, I'll, I definitely will fall out of love with them. I do not love this person no matter what. That is putting them ahead of yourself. I thought I was going to disagree with where you were going with that, but I actually do agree. 
I, yeah, I don't think romantic unconditional love should exist. I think that's the quickest way to self-sabotage. I agree. I think that's a really damaging and dangerous thing because that gives your partner too much power. I don't even know if it's about power. It just says that there is no responsibility or accountability to each other. Right. That's what I mean. But when I say power, too much power over your emotions, your self-worth, your ability to know you are an individual. And if they do fuck up, you will still be absolutely fine. You will be sad and you will be disappointed and you will be devastated, but it will be temporary. And you still might love them, but you will not be in love with them. And if you just remind yourself of that, that is what we mean, I guess, when we say trust, trust yourself enough to walk away. I also don't want to get too deep in the territory of like, never trust anyone else, though, because I think that's kind of ridiculous, too. Like, you should trust people, you should, you know, trust the people that deserve it. No, no one ever, I never said never trust anyone. I just think people put way too much of an emphasis on, can I trust my romantic partner? And at the end of the day, you have no idea if you can. People change. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're going to do what they want. And it doesn't matter whether or not you trust them. Like if you, if that person wants to cheat on you, they will find a way to do it. That person wants to hide things from you. They will do it. And no amount of guilt tripping or obsessively stalking their phone or their Instagram or obsessing over what they're doing and fighting with them about it and being dramatic and crying. None of that is going to stop them ultimately from doing something behind your back if that is what they want to do. So like, no, and and you should never feel stupid or naive for trusting someone to an extent, because at the end of the day, you're just being, it's, it shows a lot of emotional strength to be vulnerable enough to let someone in and trust them you should trust to an extent until they give you a reason to and if they give you a reason to fall back on the trust you have and knowing okay they gave me the reason to that's on them they fucked up I'm gonna do me and I'm gonna move on but I I tried my best yeah the trusting yourself piece is the piece that I think a lot of people miss right and you should never like that's something I work on is trusting more easily I just have extremely I have I don't know I I have very good intuition too you have really valid reasons to have your guard up when it comes to that kind of thing I've been in such such loving relationships that the trust was legit trust exists don't give it away too freely and also don't glamorize it too easily People, people can always surprise you. And I've said that for a really long time. Like people can always surprise you in good and bad ways. Like I have been in relationships in the past where it it was like never even a thought in my mind. Like I was like, I know a hundred thousand percent. This person would never cheat on me and break my trust in that way. And I was wrong. Well, see, I, I'm opposite. Every relationship I've been in, I've always thought this person definitely could do something to break my trust because that's we're we're so young and that's just the reality of it. Now looking back, I was proven on with some situations that actually I, I had every reason to trust them. And then sometimes you don't. It depends. It's situational. It's not a blanket thing. Just because someone hurts you doesn't mean everyone will. No, but that's what I'm saying. People can surprise you in both directions. Yeah, you never know. 
And at the end of the day, every single person is out for themselves. You don't live your life for anyone but you. And I know everyone thinks they're the main character, (laughs) which they are of their story, but not of literally anyone else's. Like people will do what is in their best interests 100% of the time. Completely. And that's not being bitter or jaded. No, that's like factual. And it's also like, no one is that special. No one is that important. I am. Yeah. And me. And you. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I like her podcast. You should check it out. I'm going to listen to it this week because I make my bed every day. And I do like to listen to a podcast. I really like listening to a podcast as soon as I wake up. It gets me out of bed. Well, you. it's also nice to start your day with a small sense of accomplishment. It just sets the precedent. You're talking about making your bed in general or about, well, fine. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I make my bed every day. I always have. But I like also because I live alone, I like listening to a podcast to wake up because it's kind of like, this is sad. It's kind of like waking up with like a friend. Oh my gosh, that's why. Like when we have sleepovers, I'm like, oh, yay, I get to talk to Chaz in the morning. So when I have a podcast, I'm like, yay, I get to listen to my friends. That's not at all sad, especially like being only children. I think we relate screens and like TV or radio to companionship because that's how we grew up. And I do the same. This is why my, my ex used to make fun of me for watching vlogs. And I was like, I don't just don't think you get it. I like watching vlogs like on YouTube because it's, it's almost like having a friend you follow their life and are invested in like their breakups when they move their nighttime routine, their get ready for a date, like how the date went. Like you, you get to like listen to all this without having to put forth any emotional energy Because as an only child, you know, you grow up, a lot of your stimulation comes from the TV or books. Books for me. Because we grew up before a lot of the internet. So I just think that's why we do like podcasts. I also just don't like sitting in silence. It depends on the day for me. I really like to, a lot of the time when I'm in the car, I don't listen to anything at all. That's crazy. Yeah, I just drive with nothing, especially on my way to work. If I don't have like a podcast episode or something that's new, like I will many times drive in silence because I listen to music all day long at work, working at SoulCycle. Like it's, it's such a part of what I do, like constant new music, constant exposure to radio and like what's popular and like all of this stuff. And it all changes so fast. I get so sick of music so quickly because I just hear it constantly because if you think, yeah. you know, people want to work out, they want to work out to like the hottest new song. So you just really get overplayed on all of it quickly. And so when I leave, I'm like, oh, it's so nice to just like not have anything on, which is why when I go running and stuff, like I don't bring a phone, I don't listen to music. I just run and listen to the nature and listen to the wind in the trees and try to like disconnect. That's my time to just not be on any device whatsoever. Cannot relate. I don't want to give my brain a chance to form any original thoughts. So I have to just keep... You haven't had an original thought. I've never had an original thought because I'm constantly listening (laughs) to podcasts and music or the TV. And I will never have an original thought because I will not allow myself to sit in silence in order to... (laughs) This entire podcast is actually plagiarized. (laughs) Yeah, it's all made up. I mean, I'm literally... I'm I'm reading the emails from the the skim. I am writing another (laughs) podcast. I'm telling someone else's murder story. None of these are my original thoughts. I'm I'm not capable of thinking. (laughs) Well, that's the difference between me and Chaz, in case anyone was wondering. Katie can read and think. 
and I simply cannot. (laughs) No, I was reading a lot before this, a lot of on more grief counseling things, but just to cope no for my class so going back to something that we talked about I can't remember if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago we were talking about therapy and how to make it more what's the word accessible for people who wouldn't normally think that they could afford therapy or you know wouldn't necessarily think they have the resources to consistently go to therapy and you mentioned psychology today which I had never heard of so Recently, I came to the realization that like there is so much about my life that I am not talking about at all, like even to my friends or you or my parents, just because I feel like it's like a burden for them or I have been kind of burned by people that I really trusted and loved a lot. Yeah, like I've been really hurt and in my perception of it, it feels like abandonment that like I have kind of shut down on like sharing a lot of my life with anyone. And I was like, okay, I do actually really want to talk about some of this stuff. And like, and I'm scared now to share it with my friends because I've had friends walk away from me because of it. I have attacked said friends via text in your honor. You have. And I get really scared to like share things. I don't take it personally. Katie has gone through the ringer with some relationships and friendships. When you lose support, well, that's, this, this goes back to unconditional love. You can not agree with someone. You love actions. You could want to protect them. You can want the best for them. But at the end of the day, you, you need to also respect their decisions and realize this is an adult. This is not my child. This is a fully functioning woman. And if you have a friend in your life who you don't agree with what they're doing, if you love them, you don't have to jump from one extreme to the other of I'm going to cut them off because I don't agree with what they're doing and I want the best for them or they're not agreeing with me. And that's the only way we can be friends. If they do what I think they should do, you're not a professional back the fuck up, stay in your lane. You also, if you don't agree with your, what your friend's doing and you are concerned for them and it's stressing you out, simply choose to not talk about that subject. You can set a boundary. Like we have done that with each other before. And we We have literally told each other like, hey, I love you so much. I'm absolutely here for you if you like really need me. But like, I don't want to talk about this specific thing. This is the point in the future where I am open to talking about it again. You can set boundaries with people in like really loving and healthy ways that also support your own boundaries. Right. Now, also don't be the friend who is burdening your friends with extremely worrisome, stressful content that they did not sign up for. They are not therapists. That is when you should talk to a therapist. It's really not fair to put any level of toxicity on another person. It's not them being a bad friend. It's simply them protecting their own mental health and their energy levels. But at the same time, it goes both ways. Just because you don't agree with something, unless your friend is actively hurting themselves, then that's like if you have a friend who is really spiraling and like, doing a bunch of drugs or like doing something extremely dangerous, reach out to their family, reach out to some form of an intervention. It's not your responsibility to offer professional help to your friends or to be their life coach unless they're asking for it and you're willing. But even then, if you're not professionally trained, just go to brunch and chill and have a nice time. Let them vent within reason. Right. And there are so many other facets, or at least there should be, if these are good friends of yours, there should be so many other things that you have to talk about that are not whatever is upsetting them. Yeah. 
it's not like your entire relationship revolves around this one thing. And if it does, then I would argue maybe you're not that good of friends to begin with anyway. I think a lot of people like who are bored <laughs> like to make other people's problems their own and they almost take it personally. I mean, I've had firsthand experience with this. Like I, I can handle my issues so well. And I've had people in my life make my issues their own and be more affected by things that happened to me than I was. And I'm like, you need to get a life. And the second that you start making the decisions for your own happiness rather than the happiness of your friends, when you start to put your happiness first and that pisses your friends off, like that tells you that that's not that good of a friend. Sometimes I get being a friend and being frustrated because you want the best for your friend, but you need to learn when to cut the cord and your friends for a reason believe in them to make the right decisions for themselves and not make it about you. It's not your journey. And mind your own business. Stay in your lane. Exactly. Like I have friends who have had relationships that I completely disagree with or that I don't like their partner or they make decisions that I think are stupid, but like it's not my business. It's really not my problem. Like who they sleep next to at night, who they go home to, who they hang out with when they're not with me literally does not matter to me. Like I don't give a single shit. If they're happy, I'm happy for them. That is all that matters to me. Unless they are being abused, it's not my business. But even then you contact the authorities. <laughs> and as long as no one's like hurting them actively, physically, not my business. If anyone's ever in actual danger of their health, of their wellness, there are, there are professional and legal interventions and routes you can take anonymously like that there are other options you nagging your friend and threatening to cut them off or cutting them off is only going to send them in the direction you didn't want them to go originally it's not gonna it's not gonna have an effect on them other than pushing them away yeah and then you lose something that you allegedly valued a lot <laughs> allegedly anyway so I realized there was all of this stuff I was not talking about right and I was like I should like I would really like to be able to talk some of this out because it does help to have a sounding board and so I went to psychology today and I put in my little insurance information and it showed me a bunch of therapists in my area. Um, I narrowed it down to one person who fit all of my criteria and I sent them a message. I have not heard back yet, but like, you know, I have anticipating response. I am positively and hopefully anticipating response. So my other suggestion to you, because sometimes I feel like the emails can easily get lost try to see if there's a phone number, like put in that person's name into Google and try mm -hmm. to see the clinic they're associated with or the practice and call that number. Because okay. the one thing about psychology today, it's so good to narrow it down, but sometimes it's outdated with contact info. Okay. So keep that in mind because email is not the most effective. I actually set another, this wonderful girl I just became friends with. She um, is just lost her insurance. She's using it as well. It's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I That's really good advice. I will do that probably after we hang up because I'm going to keep you guys updated on my therapy journey. Meanwhile, I was discharged because I'm not anxious or depressed. You're not I'm depressed like, enough. <laughs> yeah, she was like, this program is only for clinically anxious or depressed people and you, um, you're actually fine. I was like, hmm. Literally, my therapist is like breaking up with me. How did it feel? I was proud of myself for being like, wow, like... I'm a mental, I'm like emotionally very stable, but then I was like, but also I feel rejected. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this, but once upon a time, this was years and years ago, you came to visit me and left like a lacy black thong here. 
And it is now one of my sexiest and most favorite pairs of underwear. Victoria's Secret, five for 25. Could not exclaim it mm-hmm. enough, could not recommend enough. For a long time, it was the only like lacy, actually cute pair of underwear that I owned because I feel like lace underwear falls apart so easily. And so I hate spending money on it. I don't like to buy it, but especially because I work out. Mine do fall apart. I bet you I left my nice one. They are, I mean, they've held up. They're still there. I'm taking it. When I visit, I'm taking it back. I don't even care if your discharge is on it. I'm taking it back. I mean, I wash them after I wear them. Fun fact about Katie, she doesn't wash her underwear. Never once have I done it. Hit me up for used underwear. I'll sell it to you for $5,000. Her her theory is that the pheromones accumulate and it makes her desirable and that it builds her immune system and her pH health. So yeah, she doesn't wash any underwear ever. That's a hundred percent true. None of that is false. <laughs> so that's not the only. Katie always talks about me using her stuff and wearing her clothes. But did we ever tell the story of my dress? Oh my god, no, we've never told that story. That's such a good story. I. It's a little fuzzy for me because we were we were partying kind of a lot that one night when you wore it. But you tell it. It's it's such a cute dress. But this is like a sisterhood of the traveling dress situation. So one night. Chaz and I are out um, and it was like beautiful. It was springtime in New York and I was wearing this cute little maxi dress. We were like having a cute little day. We went to Smorgasburg and then we went out and I was texting one of my like former hookups. And so I was texting him, trying to get him to like come meet us out. We're like at a bar and he was like, okay, I'm going to come meet. And I was like, oh shit, I'm wearing this like grandma style maxi dress. Like this is not hot. Which which I wore later to a job interview and got the job. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's it's a dress you could appropriately wear to a job interview. It's very conservative, high neckline, puff sleeve, like maxi dress, not sexy. And Chaz is wearing this really cute little black dress from Reformation, cute little slit on the side of the leg, mini dress. It was so cute, so flattering. And so I was like, Chaz, switch dresses with me. I was like, you're not hooking up with anybody tonight. I've got a chance. I was like- Why wasn't I? I was single then. Well, that night I I had that Irish guy who was recently divorced. Oh, yeah. Honestly, so maybe that dress would have worked anyway. Well, well, we didn't hook up. I literally had an actual slumber party with him, and he made me pasta and bled everywhere because he cut himself. I'm seeing a theme with bleeding and dating. Okay, anyway. So I was like, Chaz, switch dresses with me. So we go in the bathroom. We change outfits. I come back out in the LBD and proceed to have a great night with my former hookup. Went back to his apartment, his beautiful waterfront apartment in Williamsburg. Got a whole skyline city view. Um, definitely kept the dress on, but like this dress was like, it was, it was like a magic dress. It was, and then I proceeded to wear it after I like had this wild night with him. I then didn't have any clothes left over and we like had a whole day together. We like went to brunch, walked around Brooklyn. I think I met back up with Chaz later, still wearing her dress. Like I proceeded to wear the shit out of that dress for pretty much the next day and a half. Like I wore that dress three days in a row. I went to work the next day in your frumpy dress. Yeah. <laughs> I was, oh God, that I that was, I was a mess. But anyway. And so then we still hadn't exchanged dresses again because I had just worn this one for so long. And I was like, let me wash it. I'll give it back to you. One of my friends then starts going on some first dates, whatever, whatever. And she starts dating this guy. She really likes him. And she was like, yeah, I like, don't have any outfits that I really like. Can I go through your closet? And I was like, girl, 
I got the dress for you. I was like, this is a magic dress. You should wear it. So then she put the dress on, went on a date with it, had an amazing time, got the hookup, um, and then brought the dress back. And then we give it back to Chaz, who has- I've continued to wear it. Continues to wear it, continues to have great success. Um, So- we should find out the style name and tell people what it is because this dress is literal magic. Yeah. Men will want to sleep with you if you're wearing it, but you only need one. So for your whole friend group, just get one dress. You can all share it. It's fine. Honestly, you don't even, we won't, we'll just start mailing out the dress. That's our big giveaway. That's actually a good idea. Katie's unwashed used panties with the used dress, but the dress. <laughs> Comment, subscribe. I remember, remember the pictures we took in it that day. So Katie and I took pictures of each other. I'm wearing the black dress and she's wearing the frumpy one. And her <laughs> eyes, her eyes did something really unfortunate in the picture. And my mom was showing her boyfriend and he said, oh no, does Katie have a seeing problem? And I think to this day, Larry still thinks you have like a cock, you're cockeyed or something. I might be. I don't know what it is because there are so many photos that you guys take of me where my one eye will be pointing at the camera normal. And then the other ones, just, I don't know what it's doing. I don't know how you catch this. I don't think I have a lazy eye. You don't. But maybe but I do. There's a lot of evidence to point to maybe I do. I mean, we capture each other's most unfortunate moments, but Katie will catch me just looking like complete and utter hysterical shit. And then I catch her looking actually cockeyed. Okay, this is a little segment I like to call dumb shit Chaz bot. And today, we're going to tell you about a marble paper towel holder that Chaz bought for herself in Spain a couple of summers ago. We already discussed how I was comatose going to this vineyard in Spain. So I didn't really know where I was. I was just kind of along for the ride, a bit detached from what was going on around me. Oh God, leading up to that, we were in like this very, we were in this, these people's home. We weren't in anyone's home. Oh my God. Calm down, Pepper. Please stop, Pepper. Please stop, Pepper. Pepper, knock it off. <laughs> Guys, the reason I haven't visited Katie yet is because I'm waiting for this cat to be gone. To, here's the thing. I love the air. She has a wonderful air mattress for me. I thought you were going to say the Airbnb. <laughs> I love the Airbnb she runs for me. At this point, you basically do, but I sleep on an air mattress and Pepper, I'm just subjecting myself to being like touched by him all night. And it, it, it just freaks me out and I don't sleep well. And so I'm just waiting for him to be gone. It's a one bedroom, two girls, two cats, too much for a one, two girls, two cats, one bedroom doesn't work for me. Katie's more easygoing than I am with sleeping arrangements and stuff. Like animals. I'm an easygoing traveler. I just, I need my sleeping arrangements to be comfy. And that cat wakes me up. So I'm waiting for him to leave, which should be soon. And then I'll, I will, I will be right there as soon as he's gone. Come in like two weeks. I'm serious. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we were not at anyone's house. We were at this winery that we had planned this little day trip to. Chaz was being drug along as our pet corpse for the day. Weekend of Bernie style. <laughs> Had no idea what was happening to her. None. And so we were down in the basement of this wine cellar and all like looking at the sediment. It was really quiet, really like we're all like leaning in close to look at the sediment that was at the bottom of these like old ass wine bottles that the guy was trying to show us. And all of a sudden Chaz's phone starts blasting that Miley Cyrus song. It can't be tamed. No, it was like fuck with my breed I'm like so loud in the middle of this wine cellar but I panicked so I fumbled turning it off it was like <laughs> apple music I don't even know how that happened but it was the most silent 
intimate, serious moment of the wine tour because they're like the owners are dead and this is their favorite wine and this is the sediment. But also who gives a fuck about the sediment? I am so going and eyeing over sediment. You're like a wannabe sommelier and I am fine with Sutter Home. Like I don't care. I don't know about how I am a wannabe sommelier. Don't fuck up our future sponsorship opportunities at Wink. Please sponsor us at Wall Street Wine Club. Even better. Please sponsor us. I mean, like I think I did everyone a favor by picking up the energy of the crowd because we were losing steam. So yeah, I accidentally blared mother's daughter. Okay, continuing on. So the tour ends. We have our little wine and cheese pairing, cute little snack moment. And then it's time to leave. And we're all in like the little store area before we get on the bus to go back back to Barcelona. Like the gift shop. Yeah, like the gift shop. And... My other friend and I were like picking out wines that we wanted to take home with us. We're like off in another corner, not really paying attention while Chaz is just wandering around on her own. Um, Drunk. And we lose her. <laughs> and the next thing we know, Chaz is running up to the counter with this gigantic, heavy marble paper towel holder. It's like a good hand. idea. And we're like, is she actually going to get that? We were like, no, she's not going to do that. She's probably just asking a question. And we just watch her buy this really heavy paper towel holder made entirely of marble at the winery in Spain. In Spain. But the kicker is I go, I'm all excited. I'm so proud of my future purchase. I'm like beaming drunk out of my mind holding this giant phallic this thing weighs like five pounds yeah and looks very phallic and I'm just holding it I'm like Katie and our other friend were in line which the line was very long and they're like what are you doing and I was like guys I really just want to remember being here and what better way to do it each time I dry my hands with a paper towel than to have a paper towel holder from Italy and they're like are you okay You were like, yeah, I'm like, I have this new apartment and I'm decorating it. And like, I want to have pieces from my travels. So every time I look at my paper towels now, I'm going to think, oh yeah, I got this in Italy. Everyone in line looked at me like someone call the cops, like someone call her mom, her guard, her legal guardian. It was, I don't think I even was able to come back from that moment. No, I mean, we even kind of like looked at you waiting for you to realize it on your own and you didn't. And we had to be like, Chaz, in Spain. Fully thought I was in Italy <laughs> for a good 10 minutes, probably. Completely forgot I was in a completely different country. I almost said continent. In my defense, I had I was in Italy like three weeks before that for 10 days. So it was too much traveling at once. It all gelled together. Okay, so that was that was this week on Dumb Shit Chaz Bot. Yeah. We'll bring you a new segment at some point in the future. I'm sure very soon I'll, I'll have bought something else done. Should I do more singing? No, it was... Okay, let me tell you what was so fucking weird. You, like, re-recorded yourself singing. No, and, did. and that was absolutely insane of you. No, I didn't. I had to cut out a lot of your singing, let me tell you. Redeem yourself. Redeem yourself. Hey, everyone, this is Katie doing White Dress by Lana Del Rey. Take it away. Redeem yourself. My singing was good last week. No, it wasn't. I had to cut it out. So redeem yourself. Go. It was good. Jonathan, then the music... That was good. Oh, we might come out with merch. We might have some funny quotes we've said, or just it might say, please stop. I don't know. I just think you wouldn't want some like cute ass merch that says, please stop on it. It's sassy. It's funny. You can use it when you're out, when you don't want men to fucking touch you. Yeah, they'll read your shirt and immediately they will stop. That's how 
we get this new law in Minnesota turned <laughs> on merch. Yeah, we're going to run a giveaway for some of our merch. So stay tuned for that. People love free shit. Well, here's the thing. If you also have time, maybe go to similar podcasts and leave reviews under there saying to go listen to ours. But leave five-star reviews. Be nice to them. No. But hey, if you like this one, you'll also like this one. Or like this one sucks ass, but like Please Stop doesn't. No, we support other people in the space. Chaz has never had an original thought. I don't know where you think your ideas are going to come from. I don't support other people. I just steal from them. (laughs) No, for the record, Sophia with an F stole from us this week. Oh my God, yeah. Sophia with an F decides to talk about G-Eazy conveniently right right after I did. Did she I do love her and I do like her podcast more than Call Her Daddy. Like I like Sophia with an F much more, but she did steal our G-Eazy topic. I'm just, I feel like her cousin Alex and her, I used to really like it. And at this point, I mean, not that ours is, I mean, I I like ours, but I'm biased. I love her podcast. I think it's good. (laughs) I don't think that Alex, the other Alex, not Alex from Call Her Daddy, her cousin Alex. Yeah, I don't think her cousin is great for her podcast or her brand. I like her much better when she's either solo or talking to someone actually interesting and relevant. I like her when she's solo because she's hilarious. I yeah. think she relies on the guests. It gets muddied and a little boring and monotonous. It's like we can only hear crazy sex capades so many times where we you hear one, you kind of hear them all. Yeah, and it like it loses its shock factor after a while. But I do like her. I think she's doing a great job with her podcast. Call Her Daddy Sucks these days. Well, Alex has resorted to just yelling, screaming, cursing. Doing weird. Okay, the voices that she has are getting so, to be too much. It's so childish and, like, stupid. And it's, I don't know. It's like a kid who, like, they do something funny one time and they make someone laugh. And then they won't stop doing it. And then it's really annoying. That's so spot on. It is irritating. And she's so funny too. I just feel like I I miss when they would just naturally talk. Yeah, they were really good together. All right, guys. It is ended and this is ended. (laughs) Um, Anyway, if you liked it, subscribe, tell your friends, leave a good review. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Please stop.